0: I really enjoy the community. And more particularly, I like it's not so much defying age, but it's uh, exploring what the limits are. And I'm in kind of gunfighter mode, ready to go, <laughs> go out there. And the scrutineer, this woman who's checking you before you're allowed to walk out on the stage, says, Oh, that shirt you're wearing is illegal. Yeah, yeah. This is the cutoff shirt that, that I had. So, yeah, they call the name and nothing happens for about 45 seconds until I can make the change. And then, you know, I appear on the stage, you know, looking at the people here in Perth who are operating gyms and running competitions and all of that sort of thing. Uh, What's really clear is that this is a a sport for all ages. And uh, so the demographic is, you know, from kids to old folks. Record.
1: Record. You going to cut the promo this time?
0: No, you're doing it. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I have nothing to say.
1: (laughs) Just screw up a a little. Yeah, about about there. Perfect. Just so you get a bit more of your. Okay. Because you can see there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Welcome back to the Strength Institute podcast, everybody. Today, we have the follow-up in our the third and final for now in our series of uh, breaking a world record mini-series. Also, the follow-up to the podcast with uh, Dusan Mills' um, GPC Worlds where we had filmed a podcast just prior to leaving to Slovakia for the World Championship GPC Masters Powerlifting Championships. So, uh, we are back. It has been about a month or a little more since the World Championships, and this is our recap. So, Dusan Mills, for those who don't know my dad, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Lovely to be back, Nev. Yeah. Um, Well, we are going to be touching on, um, I think, everything. So, from when we took off to when we landed, sort of uh, preparation, how you were feeling, the competition itself, um, and then uh, sort of to where we are now. You happy to get stuck in? Yes, let's do it. Perfect. So uh, first thing is we flew Perth to Dubai, Dubai to Austria. Um, couple long flights there. Uh, how were you feeling when we landed? Were you, all, uh, were you all beaten up from the long flights or how were you feeling?
0: No, I was feeling good. I mean, I'd gotten into the mode that, you know, we're now competing and that's before I left. Yeah. So the journey is part of the prep. And that was mainly sleeping, <laughs> sleeping as much as I could on the plane, not watching any movies, uh, just zoning out and being as well rested as uh, I could be by the time we uh, landed in Vienna. Yeah. And um, we'd booked a hotel, which was very close to a fabulous gym.
1: Yeah. So the hotel, I mean, what it was what, 11, a little over 11 hours from Perth to Dubai. Yep. We had a couple hours there and then it was about three hours – um, so six hours, uh, five five hours to Vienna, yeah. um, and then it was only about a four, thirty-five to forty-minute drive to the to the hotel that we're staying at in Vienna. Yeah, yeah. And so we stayed there one night. It was originally going to be two nights. Uh, we ended up staying there one night so we could get that drive to Slovakia done and not have to worry about sort of stressing. But when we did arrive, you were sort of limping around a little bit. So I know that your knees or and or back, you know, weren't feeling hundred percent.
0: Yeah, well, I've you know got uh, some issues in the lower spine and in the sacroiliac uh, hip joint. Yep. And um, sitting on a plane for that length of time just cramps everything up. So it takes a couple of hours of stretching, warming, you know, doing all of the rest of it so that uh, I was mobile. But that really wasn't worrying me. I, I arrived and was feeling quite good and wanting to simply get into the gym right away to blow out the cobwebs. And of course, the trick with long distance traveling across multiple time zones is to be in the time zone, not that you left, but the time zone that you arrived in so that you just keep going until it's time to go to bed and then try to get you know, 10 hours sleep or something like that. Um, and, and that's uh, what we proceeded to do.
1: Yeah, and um, we did, so you did book a hotel deliberately close to a gym um, called Das Gym, Das Gym, <laughs> um, which was quite um, an interesting sort of facility. So it was only about a 10-minute walk away, 15-minute walk away, um, and when we got there, it was um, unlike anything that I'd seen in, in Australia, um, or I think in most parts of the world would be pretty unique, it was very much a themed gym. So
0: how did you find this place? Well, I went on the internet, uh, figuring that uh, I needed to have all the facilities at hand, close to the hotel, uh, in order that we could go and do the workout and just take care of any niggles. And going through the gyms, it pops up on the internet, and there was, uh, you know, there were a couple of YouTube vids of the guys talking about it, and I loved it. They, I mean, they're really into the whole. Um, Kind of superhero aspect of of strength. So they had giant pictures of Arnold, you know, in his heyday, and Sylvester Stallone, and other luminaries from uh, action movies.
1: Well, Um, yeah, they. I mean, they had a giant, probably ten foot tall Terminator (laughs) robot statue there. They had all the Rambo knives, like in display cabinets. They had sort of all the action
0: heroes. Yeah, but it was a serious heavy lifting gym. They had. Strongman equipment, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, uh, bodybuilding going on, and of course the gym was full of uh, guys who looked very serious. Yeah, <laughs> or at least they were looking at themselves seriously. There, <laughs> the there, there was flexing. definitely a few people looking at themselves seriously. There was um, <laughs> it's different
1: from from here, I guess. You know uh, where we train. You know, is powerlifters and strongmen in general pop, but there's no, there's not really any bodybuilders that train in, in our gym, and there are a few bodybuilding or you know posing gyms around WA, but but it was definitely different for you and I to be in there because yeah they, first of all really well equipped gym. I mean they had some top tier powerlifting equipment, um, like you said some weightlifting, uh, they had a lot of strongman equipment, and then they also had a lot of machines and, and and bodybuilding style things, and of course on all the walls they had all the bodybuilding greats they had. Frank Zane and um, Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Franco Columba, all the sort of um, bodybuilding posing posters. They even had a posing room, which is where you were doing your sort of your weigh-in to make sure you were on track to to weigh in correctly. Yeah. And they had all the the lighting and camera, um, you know, attachments there, so you could so you could practice posing. So there's a lot of bodybuilders in there, um, which was which was different for for us to see.
0: But it was perfect coming in off a long flight because it immediately just put you straight into the right frame of mind, which is you know, I'm going to conquer the world kind of uh, feeling. And it was not a tarted-up gym. I mean, it was seriously kind of grungy uh, and edgy place with tons of equipment, as you said. Yeah, so, equipment everywhere. Yeah, so that was fantastic. Uh, you know, um, soon as, uh, as soon as you walk in, it's like, okay, we mean business in this place.
1: Yeah. You know, I think anyone traveling to Austria... Um, If they go into Vienna, should definitely, you know, if they're into the gym, book a a casual uh, session.
0: Well, big shout out. It's called DAS Gym, D-A-S Gym. Look it up on the internet. And if you're ever in that neck of the woods, uh, they they, uh, train multiple European world champions uh, in uh, different uh, forms of competition there. So it's uh, it's a hardcore, serious place. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. And just a, 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 a huge variety of equipment as well. Anything that you could want to train on, they had. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, so we went there, uh, did a workout. You know, got to uh, fairly you know, some fairly heavy lifts. Yeah, just making sure that the body was working.
1: Well, yeah, I guess the the plan originally was to go in. Um, this was still a handful of days before the competition, so I um, can't remember exactly how many days. But the plan was to go in, run through your warm ups, and stop at your last warm up weight and not get to an opener. Um, you had said that you would feel more comfortable because you were feeling fresh enough like it wasn't going to fatigue you just to work up to your opening weight, um, just to make sure that it was there in the tank, you were still confident after the travel. Yeah. So we did that, which is generally one set heavier than I would normally go on a deload week. Um, but like I said, you were feeling confident that it wasn't going to fatigue you out and that it would give you a bit of confidence going into the comp that you know, you're know you going to nail your, your opening weights. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so that was good. We did that then... Um at the local supermarket to pick up some protein shakes, which was another <laughs> adventure. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think before we even get to the to the shakes, and first of all, you can look straight at that camera. You've okay. got that nice GPC World Powerlifting shirt yeah, there, uh, which
0: uh, is beautiful. Strength Institute. Yes. Yes, of. Yes, Curse History <laughs> Institute
1: there. Um, is when we were there, there was actually a little sort of health bar in the building yeah. where you could get protein shakes and little Asahi bowls and smoothies and all that sort of stuff. And it was directly in front of the powerlifting area because in the powerlifting area they had a bunch of squat cages and deadlift platforms. They also had um, sort of four benches facing off at each other. So we had we we're on a bench, you know, not by any uh, on, on purpose, but we we're sort of facing the uh, facing the the cafe. And there was like younger guys up there, younger guys and girls manning it. And so we did our first warm up set at 30, and then 40 kilos, then 50 kilos. Then 60 kilos, and there was a couple young guys benching near us, and they weren't doing big weights, you know, 80, 90. I think one guy maybe had 100 kilos on, but they were young guys. Um, and then we're up to, like, 70 kilos, and there's some, like, whisperings in the health bar across from us. And a couple, what's the one over there? And then 80 kilos, and then 87 and a half kilos, which is where I was wanting to stop. Um, and the dad's like, oh, I want I want to get the opener. So we were put up 95 kilos, and, you know, it's it was just a single rep, all three calls start press rack um, and it was fast it was snappy as you would expect it to be um, and yeah they, I think they were enjoyed seeing uh, the the silver fox in there just uh, throwing some weights around I think it was good yeah it yep, was good. drawing yeah. some attention uh,
0: we, we definitely caught uh, some attention there uh, this is sort of a wild geriatric uh, on the loose in the gym it was good
1: yeah. um, but then uh, like you said we sort of walking our way back to the hotel and uh, you were conscious of your weight you you were you were already on weight, or actually a little bit below weight when we uh, when we weighed in at the scales there, um, but you know that's just one set of scales. You want you know want to be confident that you're definitely going in you know underweight, um, so you're not having to do a lot, any last second you know weight cutting. Um, so you like the idea of protein shakes because it's gonna get you some energy, you know, it's high protein, you know, you're not eating stuff that you're not used to. Um, protein shake is something that, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it's basically the same stuff, right? Some whey protein, a little bit of milk in there. Yeah. So we, we wandered our way through, sort of asked a few people in, you know, pidgin English, um, you know, where the supermarket is and where we can get a protein shake. So we, we did sort of find a, quite a strange supermarket. It was sort of like underneath what looked like a big stadium. And it was a bunch of exits that you couldn't get into. And we finally found our way in.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things about Eastern Europe, besides being kind of the nerve center of strength sport in, uh, in Europe, um, is that in Eastern Europe, the second language that most people speak is not English. <laughs> they usually speak, you know, whatever their language is, Bulgarian, Hungarian, uh, Polish. Uh, and then they might have German or one of the other Slavic languages as a second language. So actually trying to communicate was not like being in France or you know, Western Europe uh, where a lot of people speak English. Um, nevertheless, we got by with sign language and people got what we wanted. And, um, well, I think was, it was
1: I think we found that people in their 30s and younger looked when we talked to them, they all sort of had an understanding of English but people that were sort of 40 and above. Yep, they're cool. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty much their language or some Pidgin other languages, but it was, the, the, they weren't, you know, switched on with the English, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we did that, uh, went back to the hotel. Hotel, as it turns out, had a big hot tub in the gym, a spa, which is fairly common in uh, Europe. And um, that's how the day ended. It was uh, taking a nice long soak in the hot tub. So by the time... Uh, we hit the rack, we're out of it. Boom. Yeah. Good night's
1: sleep. Yeah, that was a good night's sleep. Um, and then, of course, we wake up, and it's my favorite part of any
0: trip, which is yeah hitting the buffet the
1: buffet breakfast, breakfast damn straight all right if you're yeah. on holiday you need to get the buffet breakfast yeah. option so um, again dad was watching his weight and eating sp- uh, yeah. sparingly to say the well the I was least. eating
0: like a sparrow whereas nev of course uh, took up the running for the entire <laughs> entire strength institute i was they, making sure that i represented uh, well that you know we can uh, eat uh, yeah. well at the strength institute
1: that, that certainly happened yeah so yeah. there were several serves there and, and it was good they had some foods that wouldn't normally yeah. be in a buffet breakfast but that was great
0: and and then we went back to the gym to do another session,
1: and that session was lighter. That was just yeah. the warm up weights. Yeah. So it was basically did some warmed up on the bike, did some mobility with the band, the broomstick, on the roller, and then uh, and then onto the bench just for some warm up weights, yeah. um, just to get the body moving again.
0: Then we uh, hit the road uh, for Slovakia, yeah, which uh, the capital Bratislava is about an hour, fifteen hour, twenty minutes from Vienna. On the freeway. Mm -hmm. And then to Turnova, where the competition was being held, it's a a small town about another 20 k's uh, further into Slovakia. Yeah. Um, And we arrived there, checked into the uh, hotel. What I thought was interesting,
1: even on the way there, is that their freeways were set at 110 kilometers an hour, roughly. Yep. 110 kilometers an hour in the fast lane. But... No one was going 110. In fact, you were in the fast lane for a little while doing close to 140, and people were coming up real fast behind you. So you got out of the lane. People were definitely doing 150s, 160s down that freeway.
0: Well, I think there were two things that I noticed uh, about the freeways um, in Eastern Europe, and particularly uh, Slovakia, is the very high speed that you mentioned. The other thing is, even though you can't see it, there is actually a war going on next door in the Ukraine, Yes, we all know about. Yeah. And the amount of truck traffic on the freeways was off the charts. It was more than the kind of truck traffic you would see in a well-oiled economy that's uh, doing well. But, you know, everything's discreetly covered in tarps. But, boy, there was a lot of stuff moving on those freeways. It it was... it was really something to kind of see. You
1: think, what, logistical just to like send as aid, food? No doubt. New, new mean new you missions.
0: Billions of dollars worth of munitions and spare parts and all the logistical support. Yeah. There was a uh, lot
1: of trucks, a lot of big trucks on the on the highway. A lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Any event, uh, so that was the wallpaper to the uh, trip. It took us, uh, you know, let's say a little under two hours uh, to be checked in. Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, and that hotel, as we're saying, was only about a – 500 meter walk from the, from where we were competing, from where you're competing.
0: And the prep, once we got in, was basically getting a deck of cards (laughs) and playing cards and trying to rest, once again, time zone management, which is, um, you know, do the requisite amount of warm up and workout and stretching that, you know, that you've got booked for that time. But, you know, save being a tourist, for after the event, uh, because really the premium is on once again matching the time zone, being well rested. And um, so it was actually kind of a boring first afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we got in
1: but basically the yeah, hotel room. We walked down, got some cards, came back. Um, but yeah, just taking it easy for the most part and trying not to stress or worry too much about the upcoming comp. So uh, we got there that night. The next morning was going to be the way in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it, it was a big competition. It was the uh, GPC uh, Worlds. Uh, they had something like a thousand competitors. Well, they had 900 starts, over 900 starts. 900 starts. Now, in Sorry.
1: saying starts, that means some people competed in, let's say, <laughs> um, powerlifting, all three. They might have also done equipped bench or something like that. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been 900 athletes, but 900 uh, starts, yeah. Yeah, 900 plus starts, which is a really big competition. And the reason why so many, is because it's not just open world powerlifting championships, It is, it was the juniors, teens, opens, and masters, right? So all the yeah. different age groups. And then you had all the weight classes, and you had male and female, and you had standard powerlifting, so all three. You had squat only, bench only, deadlift only, and equipped. So it was a big, It was a big day. It took oh, a big week, I should say. It was five days of competing, over 900 starts. They were starting 8.39 in the morning and finishing 10 at, 10 at night and then doing ceremonies each night, which would go till 11, 11.30. So really long days.
0: So our first uh, encounter with the competition was really going in uh, the day before the, uh, the lift to weigh in and officially uh, be registered. And uh, so we arrive in the morning, uh, you know, just before, uh, before they open the doors to begin the way, in and we're standing in line. And this was something. I mean, <laughs> it kind of felt a little bit like we had gone to... Uh, an employment interview for bouncers to a bikey bar. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people that were standing in line were off the charts in terms of uh, physical appearance. You know, I mean, muscle on top of muscle, because it, it's an untested calm. Yeah, GPC is an untested federation
1: um, in saying that not everyone is juicing, clearly, especially as you go into the master divisions, there's less people, you know, dabbling. But in the open, in the open uh uh, Age and weight groups, uh, age groups, I should say, across all the weight classes, um, there was a significant amount of um, exogenous hormone uh, use, some might say.
0: Well, uh, people look like they all came from the same family, bold, triple folds in the neck, no neck, (laughs) instead sitting on top of diet traps, muscles on tops of top of muscles, and your favourite tat, depending on which army you'd served in, or yeah. which you know. Uh, I think you turned to me at one point
1: and said, "I think we're at a Hell's Angel convention <laughs> here." Yeah, there was um, it was definitely a a, a specific look um that we were that yeah. we were encountering. So there. we felt
0: uh, completely in place, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of uh, clean looking blokes from Australia. That's it. Um, and then standing in line, um, you know, you've got the language thing, and of course. Ended up uh, being sandwiched between an 85 year old Russian, Russian from Israeli Israel, yeah. uh, from Israel and a French farmer, I think. And it turns out that the Frenchman had a history of weightlifting, had been a former national weightlifting champion. Powerlifting. Powerlifting. No, but he'd given up the sport for 20 years right. and come back into powerlifting. Um, and um, Yuri, who is eighty-five years old, and the communication because no one spoke English. Yeah, was... we'll
1: recap all, all these old, all these old dudes don't speak any English. That's
0: for sure. Yeah, so I got by on some broken high school French that I remember from, you know, sixty years ago or so, and um, uh, and a bit of sign language and a few words of Slavic here. And and there's there.
1: a little bit of googling and pointing at photos and yeah. pictures of this is what I mean, and then I'll, oh, wee we we.
0: Yeah, so any event, uh, the highlight was Yuri because I was fascinated. You know, he's shorter guy, small.
1: He was a yeah, small weight class, 67 or 75 yeah. kilo weight class,
0: yeah. A- 85, and uh, so through sign language, he was there to bench in his category. It turns out he was the world champion, already existing, a world record holder in uh, his class. And when I got that, he could see that, you know, I was having some trouble – uh, kind of understanding and making that, so he grabs grabs me by the hand and he puts my hand onto his peck. and there's this giant muscle. <laughs> it's amazing because he looked like a sparrow, and then with a big grin, he lifts up his t-shirt and he's got these giant pecs on him.
1: He had a, he had a pair of pecs for for an eighty five year old. That's for sure, uh,
0: unbelievable. Yeah. and and then he goes like this. He raises his hand and he pick, gets his phone out and he scrolls through, and he's got videos. There. and the videos are of him doing multiple reps, like seven, eight reps. Yeah, I think it was six or seven. Multiple sets yeah. of one-handed push-ups. Yeah, There's and n- they were
1: there were good quality one-handed push-ups too. They weren't they weren't cheating. He had his legs wide, hand behind the back, very much like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. Not a heap of body twisting, and he was yeah he was getting out sets of I think six there.
0: Now, it was very impressive. You know, I doubt that at let's say the states at ruchi's yep. which is a fantastic competition with you know excellent athletes i doubt that there's anyone there that can do more than one
1: i mean I yeah it's impressive yeah especially sets of 6 and at 80 in his, in his 80s when that yeah. video was taken
0: so any event it was inspirational i said yuri i now know what i want to be when i'm 85 i want to be you yeah. <laughs> uh, inspirational to kind of uh, see that uh, to see that level of uh, just physical attribute. It was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. In any event, we kind of weighed in, made weight. Yeah.
1: Comfortably made weight, which made is good. Weight
0: comfortably. And then it was another 24 hours. Um, so we ended up getting into some wild card games, just oh. you and I back in the hotel room. I've never
1: played so much. Um, I've never played so much gin rummy in my, in my life. Now, I must say that uh, the way that I grew up playing gin... And the way that you play gin is a little different. And uh Are you saying
0: that I cheated?
1: I'm not saying that you cheated, <laughs> per se, I'm just saying that I, there were some rules coming out that I was not aware of. And uh and and you did quite well. And now whether or not, you know, you legitimately just smoked me in gin, or if that was my plan as a coach to fill you with
0: confidence
1: moving into the next day of competition, we'll leave that one open-ended for yeah. the people listening to decide. Well,
0: whatever rose your boat, Nev. So uh, any event, it was it was good. And and really, once again, the uh, the strategy was very straightforward, which is don't get involved in the event. Don't get involved in what other people are doing. Get into the time zone uh, and, um, you know, be there when it's your turn to compete. right. So, uh, following morning... Well, let's just say as well,
1: at Weigh-In, there's also um, equipment check. Because if you're trying to break a world record, you need to show, this is the belt that I'm using, here's my soft suit, Uh, these are my wrist wraps, and that they're all compliant with the uh, Federation's rulebook, basically. And you had asked, can I wear this sleeveless shirt? Because you had a Strength Institute sleeveless shirt. uh, And Adrian was like, you better make sure you wear that on competition. So... Uh, so you asked, can I wear the shirt? And they said, oh, you didn't have it with you. Um, but you said, it's exactly like the one I'm wearing now, but the sleeves are off. And yeah, so
0: just this part had been taken off.
1: Yeah. And uh, the the answer was, yep, that's, that's fine, the rule book. And then I looked at the rule book, and it said a shirt with or without sleeves. So yeah. that sounds like it should be fine.
0: So we'll kind of bookmark that piece of information. But we did go through the equipment check and specifically the question about the shirt. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, next morning... Um, we arrive about an hour and a half before the event. Yeah. And um, just go through the warm up routine.
1: Yeah. We had to wait outside for a little while in the cold. Like, we expected the doors to be open, you know, at least it was an hour before the event started. And we're like, they opened in an hour. We were there an hour and a half. We had to wait around about half an hour. Like, surely they're going to open the doors soon so that the first flight can get there and start warming up. Um, but it took a minute. Anyhow, we get inside. Yeah, so get we get backstage. So
0: we get, get backstage um, and Neva's terrific. I mean, you were terrific. You were sort of running around making sure that you knew when we were on and one thing and other and also kind of guiding me through the warm-up. And for me, it was um, really getting into that frame of mind where – it was irrelevant that I was in Slovakia. It was irrelevant that there were all of these other people. Um, that uh, what I was doing was now getting into the frame of mind where I was going to lift. We were going to go for PBs, pretty much straight, um, straight out of the chutes. No point in fooling around. And
1: before we go on too far, can we sort of say that the goal was to open at 95 kilos, which we had done for multiple reps before in training. So a nice rule of thumb is to open up at what you can triple comfortably. You were comfortably tripling 92 and a half, but you didn't want your jump to be too big. So he said, you're comfortable when we'd done multiple sets of two at 95. So we'll open at 95. Then second attempt, we're going to go straight for a world record at 103. And yep. then we can play it by ear moving forward after
0: that. Yeah, right, exactly right. And uh, so the little trick that I used in my mind here was just imagining that I was back here at the Strength Institute where you've got the weights on the board. Yep. And uh, I had two people that I was competing against in my mind.
1: Well, you had three people.
0: No, no. In your saying, mind. Okay. In my mind. Right. I was competing against Tito. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tito. And I was competing against Megan, both of whom on the big board have got 110 kilo lifts. Yeah. And so in my mind, my objective was to try to get close to those two marks. So I used Tito and Megan as my stalking horses. I completely ignored all of these people from all over Europe, understanding, you know, that, um, you know, Europe's got a population of 350 million people and it's like, okay, let's see what you've got. No, it wasn't that it was Megan and Tito. I'm coming after you. (laughs) So, uh, so by, by thinking about it that way, I was able to just simply block everything. I had no idea who was competing against what they were lifting or anything else. Didn't care. Yeah. Um, so it comes to the comp. Now, being uh, a single event, bench, this is gonna be over in about 30, 40 minutes. It's not like an all-day thing where you're doing three things. So yeah. unlike probably, uh,
1: probably slightly longer just because there were big flights. I think there were 17 people in your flight. Yeah. Um, so if you know, people going through in a minute, on average, you know, 17 between 15 and 20 minutes per round, three rounds. You know, we're going to get, um, we're going to get, you know, 45 minutes to, to an hour yeah, and then the comp is over for you.
0: But I'm talking about the frame of mind once again, as a competitor being in there, because if, if you're doing the three events, which I'd done previously in powerlifting before I had this kind of lower back issue, uh, you manage yourself through the day, uh, you know, in terms of food, in terms of resting, uh, in terms of warming up for each of the particular lifts, <clears throat> doing a single lift like this, which is going to be over quickly, it's more like going to a gunfight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you just arrive and it's okay. Let's see what you got. Ready, set, bang! You know you do it, and then it's over. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> and so um, this sort of point of focus, so that you don't miss the moment because it, when it happens, it happens very quickly. It's very important any event, I thought I had this all wired and I come up for the first lift. They call and ha- how many – it's like you've got 60 seconds from the Once time-
1: they say bar is loaded, yeah. you've got 60 seconds. So when the person before you was out there, I said, all right, get your wrist wraps ready, get a bit of chalk on the hands. We've got you ready to go. So that's all happening.
0: Yeah, so that's happening. And I'm in kind of gunfighter mode, ready to go, <laughs> go out there. And the screws near this woman who's – checking you before you're allowed to walk out on the stage says, oh, that shirt you're wearing is illegal. Yeah, yeah. This is the cutoff shirt that, that I had. Now, fortunately, we'd packed... A normal shirt. A, a normal shirt yeah. in the bag. But it took about half the time yeah. to disrobe this <laughs> sweatshirt because this is into my 60 seconds. Yes. So, yeah, they call the name... And nothing happens for about forty-five seconds until I can make the change, and then you know I appear on the stage. But it was it was all fine. You know, just t- took that in stride, went out, got into the zone. Megan Tito, look at this, boom. Yep. And then off the stage again.
1: Yeah, easy, easy first lift. So three white lights, um, ninety-five kilos in in the bag, which is great.
0: Yeah. Now I think, uh, I, uh, you know, we then took notice. Of what people were registering for left.
1: Well, maybe you, are. I was looking at what they were registering before yeah. for openers as well.
0: Yeah, um, in my mind it was like, oh well that's when I start to take notice. Yeah. And the reason is because we weren't fooling around. The next left was we nominated the world record. World record. 103. And that of course means that the entire field has to adjust. Yeah. To to do that lift. <coughs> um any event, second lift goes off and only two of us make the second lift. Yep. World record.
1: So it, it, let's just say how, how it's set up. There's four people in your – even though there's 17 people in your flight, there's four people that you're in direct competition with, including yourself, right? You and yeah. three others that are in your age and weight category doing that event. And um, one guy was a bit behind, but there was three of you that were neck and neck. Yeah, well, there was the
0: one guy from – uh, Hungary, who's the European champion, and yep. it was the Slovakian champion, yep. and myself, who were roughly yep. around. And the then same. there was
1: one more Slovakian, I think, but he was a bit behind. Now those yep. are the three guys. Um, you you get ninety five. They all get their openers as well. Uh, then all three of you nominate for a hundred and three kilos. Yeah. The first guy goes out, misses it. You go out, get it. That gives you, you are the world record holder. You've broken the world record first, okay? The third guy goes out, ties your world record. In powerlifting, if you finish an event, and let's say both dad and this other guy finish at 105 kilos, whoever has less body weight, whoever's lighter between the two, wins the event. They have a bigger total on percentage, right? On body weight. So the other guy that was neck and neck, that you both got 103 kilos, weighed 200 grams less than dad.
0: 200 grams. All right.
1: So dad was 81. The limit is 82 and a half kilos for that division. Dad weighed in at 81. And this guy weighed in at 80.8 kilograms. So if they were to tie on uh, the heaviest lift, the other guy wins the championship on body weight. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, you've broken the world record. Yeah. First to get it, 103, um, but you're tied on total. And that gives, it means he's in the lead for the uh, for the championship. Yeah.
0: So no problem. We're going to break the world record again. Yeah. On the third and final left. Yeah. So we nominate 105. And um, you and both the other gentlemen, both all
1: nominated for 105 well, again. This is the final left of the competition.
0: Yeah. yeah. And even though you might have missed a previous left, you, you you get to do all three lefts. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other guys that had actually also made the lift previously. So, no break to the, no change to the routine. It was the same thing go out there, you know. Send do, it to Tito and send, send thank you for the inspiration. And bang, you know, we uh, do that. And no one else makes the third
1: lift. So, the first guy goes out, the one that missed the 103, he misses 105 as well then you go out, you get 105. So now you've broken the world record a second time and you're in the lead. The third guy goes out, he misses. So after three lifts, you've got the biggest lift at 105 kilos. Now, I must admit as well, this is poor coaching on my form, but we were so dead set on getting the world record, it took me 10 minutes to realize, uh, and this is why, In, in powerlifting, if you're trying to break a world record, they give you a fourth attempt. As long as you've been within 20 kilos, you can have a crack at it. So dad and the other gentleman both went for a fourth attempt to break and become the world record holder. So I was so focused on this forced lift, it didn't even twig that you had just won the, <laughs> the world championship. So- no,
0: that, that's right. I, I have to admit the same thing. but <laughs> But that's true. Having done the three lifts, that's the end of the competition. That's the end of the standard that, competition. That's the end of the competition. Yeah. So, um, but it was great, you know. Uh, uh, so, world champion, fantastic, and I'm s- still chasing vegan and, uh, and, Tito. and Tito. So, I'm thinking, okay, well, I <clears throat> I done a 107 and a half in the gym, and I I felt like. You know that was probably still there, so that's what we nominated. Yeah. And the other guy, who had who had come second in the competition, uh, also the Hungarian, uh, Hungarian, the uh, European champion, and the European champion also nominated that weight. And this is the competition's over. So this is just simply a bonus lift for a world for, record for, to, for a world record attempt. Yeah. Now. We actually both made that lift. Yeah. But you went first. I went first. And the rule is. Well, if
1: you break the record, if you set the new record, you have the record and it's meant to be broken by half kilo increments. Right. So there was some confusion about that as well. Yeah. Um, on who had the record because after he did it, so you did one hundred and seven and a half, get it, you get the arm raised, successful lift, they check your equipment, it's all been stamped. Beautiful. He goes out, does the same weight. They also check his and raise his arm up. So we were, wait a minute. Did you get the record? Did he just break it? But he gets it on body weight. But if you break a record, it has to be broken, not matched and then beaten on. Correct. All right. So you were the first in. You broke the record three times. Um, and are the world record holder at 107.5 kilos.
0: Strength Institute.
1: Strength Institute. <laughs> and the world reigning under two uh, under 82.5 kilo MA world champion for bench only.
0: And not only that, <clears throat> not only that, but Yuri, who's 10 years older at 85 years of age, yep. showed me what's possible. <laughs> so uh, I think we're putting... Uh, One one handed push ups into the uh, training room. Well, maybe, maybe.
1: (laughs) I think what was um, what was kind of funny with Yuri is what you 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 want to aspire to be Yuri in some aspects. Yes, but not in all aspects, Dad. (laughs) So (laughs) Yuri Yuri also had a handler like me that was handling Dad, uh, a younger guy, and. and after Yuri, you know, who, who, he kept, was, who kept losing Yuri. He kept losing <laughs> Yuri. So so we were warming up because Yuri was in the flight before us. Uh. All right, was in the flight before us. And so dad and I are warming up and Yuri comes wandering over and he's checking out the weights and he's nodding like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. And, and then we hear this, Yuri, Yuri, Yuri. And his handler comes running across the coil. The bar is loaded. So Yuri, you know, runs back to the stage, does his first lift. I don't think he had any competition um, in his group, age group, so he goes out, sets the world record, or breaks his own world record, gets his first lift in, you know, gets pumped, throws the arm, and then just goes wandering off into the crowd again. His <laughs> poor handler's
0: like, where, where has he gone? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully I've got a little bit more presence, of, or I can preserve a bit more presence of mind, uh, you know, over the next 10 years. So.
1: Well, but the, the funny thing was, he did the same thing on the second, his handler had to run over and find him for a second attempt, gets him out there. On the third attempt, after the second attempt, Yuri just took off. And the handler couldn't find him. He, he, he didn't go out for his third because he missed his. He missed the call. <laughs> but luckily, he or had already broken his world yeah. record and was the reigning world champ. So he didn't need to do his third attempt. But, uh, you know, you could see the poor face of his handler was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, what's yeah. going on here?
0: Well, I think the great thing about all of that is that um, this is a sport where clearly, as long as you've physically got it together in a mentally got yeah. it together, uh, there's no uh, end in sight. There's plenty of competition out there. And, um, you know, for me, let's say competing in Australia where it's uh, tough to find someone to compete against, over there it's literally, okay, well, you know, 350 million people in Europe, They've said of weightlifting, uh, plenty of people who, who are strong of all ages. And um, I think that history... Um, Throws out examples that we can learn from and and follow, and uh, certainly in the strength sports, um, you know, looking at the people here in Perth who are operating gyms and running competitions and all of that sort of thing, uh, what's really clear is that this is a um, this is a sport for all ages, and uh, so the demographic is you know from kids to old folks. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think. Um there's a uh, there's, there's huge range, and that's what's one of the good things. And that's why it's important that sports have age groups and weight categories so that it allows people to compete for as long as they choose to compete.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, completely agree.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you, you've set, you've broken the world record three times. You got the world championship. Um, we're back in the – so this – my ad, this has all happened before 10 a.m., guys. All right? We started at nine, so this is all like done. Said, it's
0: like going to a gunfight when you do one. Of
1: so we've wrapped up. We've wrapped up now at ten a.m. and this is the fifth and final day of competition. It's a big day. We are planning on driving back to Austria to an airport hotel because you're flying out first thing the next morning, and I was flying out a couple hours after that. So we had about an hour and a half, two-hour drive yep. back to Austria, but. The presentations aren't after the flights are done. They're at the end of the competition day, which, as I said, ends at around 10 p.m. So not wanting to deny dad his opportunity to be crowned world champion on the podium at GPC World 2022 Slovakia. We waited then.
0: So we waited. Well, we played cards for another eight hours. <laughs> for, 12 hours for, for 12,
1: 12 hours. For 12
0: hours.
1: So the competition finished just before 10 p.m., uh, yeah. You know, we went to the hotel, we pl- we played, we ate lunch, we played cards. We went for a walk back to the comp. We watched some people do some big bench presses. Yeah. There were some like open bench only guys lifting ginormous weights, close to 300, you know, yeah. kilos. Um, and uh, we played cards at the venue and we ate some food and we played cards. But eventually you got to stand up on the podium.
0: Eventually I got to stand up on the podium, which was fantastic. Yeah. So... Uh, Thank you very much, Nev, for it's making right. that possible. And, um, well, thanks to the uh, powerlifting community here in Perth, you know, uh, people like Ruchi's and other places that have given us the opportunity to get, that, get out there, compete, establish some you know, national marks um, and to um, understand that we're part of this larger kind of global community and if you can't find action here in Perth, there's plenty of action elsewhere in the world. You yeah. know, it's just a matter of uh, uh, deciding that you're going to have a go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you've you've been, uh, you know, crowned. We, we make the drive back to Austria at about 11 p.m. You know, we get there after midnight. Car goes back to the rental place, get up to the hotel. Up first thing in the morning, I was flying back to Perth. You flew to the U.S. to be with your wife. Yep. Um, and, and you were met with, with much <laughs> support on the, uh, at the community when you, when you got back there.
0: Yeah. So, we, uh, we, uh, we, uh, live in San Francisco and the community that we uh, live in, um, um, is very close net and there's sort of a, um, underground bush telegraph that, um, um, Kind of keeps everyone informed of toings and froings of the various uh, people who live in that community. In any event. Long story short, they threw uh, a party, and uh, there was a lot of singing of "We Are the Champions" and drinking rum <laughs> and having a uh, you know a good old time. Um, and um, yeah, I think everyone really kind of were tickled by the idea that uh, you can wander off to Eastern Europe, at 75 years of age, win a world championship, break a world record, and still seem like a normal person, you know, so.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, moving forward, have you thought about, you know, what you want to do next? What you want to, have you set new goals? Are you want. started to talk about this the other day, and I said, no, nah, actually save it for the podcast so I can get it all live, yeah. get my, my, my. You get my raw well, I reaction. Think,
0: I, I think the first thing was that because of the way I manage being a competitor, and this comes from a lifetime of competing in other sports at, at a high level, uh, that uh, a lot of the enjoyment of the event is delayed until after. And so I'd sort of said in my own mind that uh, I would just let everything soak in and kind of enjoy it. And I think in retrospect, I've, I've really come to reflect on lot of the things that we did in terms of competing the prep um, the training regimes and everything else Um, and uh, and and that's been wonderful the in particular what stands out this is sort of going forward is the unorthodox training program that you developed during the year because that training program and we've talked about this before was about getting more out of doing less and so it was a very, uh, very um, calculated and, and well thought through plan uh, where I really didn't do maximal lifting until the final training camp of about six uh, six to nine weeks. Just six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Uh, and that the rest of the year was really doing uh, a lot of volume work at 60 or 70 percent, but really upping the numbers of reps that I was doing so that the basic my basic um, loading capacity, um, your your
1: capacity to work, yeah, work capacity, capacity yeah. to work,
0: you know, had really developed so that when we focused on the on the on the maximal lifting, uh, that we got big results very quickly. The benefit of that program also was that um, I was traveling a lot. That um, I'd already been th- this this trip was the second time around the world because of. business things, and also the borders coming down with COVID, so we um, had things that we had to attend to uh, elsewhere. And so the training uh, during the year um, was sometimes in the gym, sometimes was in another country at another gym. Um, I ended up, uh, because uh, we were involved in some sort of research programs up in the Kimberley having to do with conservation, taking my rubber bands and being out in the bush and doing workouts in the bush, uh, you know, from the tent. And so uh, what that demonstrated was that you didn't have to be highly catered to in a specific purpose-built facility. As long as you had a good training program, uh, I was able to really... I never missed one workout, but it was airport gyms, it was hotel gyms, it was gyms in... Foreign places. It was in the bush with rubber bands, um, and that was uh, terrific. Uh, and the reason that, that um, I was impressed by that is because it meant that, as long as uh, as long as I was doing the work, being gym specific was not critical. What was critical was getting the right advice. So looking forward. <coughs> If I can train like that, which I did.
1: One of the benefits of doing that style of training is that you don't need spotters for – you're not trying to lift heavy weights. So, you know, when you remove the need for a spotter, um, it increases your ability to train consistently no matter where you are.
0: Yeah. So uh, looking forward, um, I know that um, I can actually – there's a lot of flexibility in the way that I can train going forward and still probably get good results. Um, in terms of would I go to Slovakia again to do it? Well, no, yeah. I, I don't think so. No need to. Um, do I want to keep lifting? Absolutely. And, um, and the reason is not so, it's not so much about, you know, being a world champion or world record holder or, you know, that kind of title stuff. That, that's part of the wallpaper of outcomes when, when you do this. It's that I really enjoy the community. And more particularly, I like, it's not so much defying age, but it's uh, exploring what the limits are. And so in my mind, um, the idea of being kind of a walking human experiment with you where I'm doing these programs which I can train anywhere in the world, in the desert, gym, city, doesn't matter. um, And um, we can get a local event say a national event or a state event to be the formal structure in which you know i can then see can i get a a heavier weight on the board um is really intriguing and what's intriguing to me is what we talked about before which is that having started this sport at 70 i'm much stronger (laughs) much stronger now (laughs) much stronger now and it looks like there's sort of more left in the tank so why would i not want to do that
1: yeah but you're saying you want to keep it probably more to local competitions uh, nationals in australia well, i think
0: the purpose of the competitions is that it gives you a legitimate forum in which you can legitimately prove that a pv was yeah, genuinely achieved yep um and um uh so to me that's that's kind of the benefit of those sorts of events but Having been to a world's, having been to other things, um, you know, I really don't care about needing to continue to be the official champion or something like that. It's like, no, you know, if I can in a local competition break the world record, hey, it's there. It is on the board, right? And uh, and then if I'm training with, um, you know, people like uh, Tito... And the rest of the gang here, Megan, who are uh, setting these things, which are just slightly out of reach. Well, that's great. You know, I've got sort of built-in motivators right here who, um, who don't even know that they're acting in that capacity.
1: Well, now that they know, they might, uh, they might <laughs> well, try to bump it up a little bit. Uh,
0: well, up to them. You know, hey, by the way, I'm coming after them, so they yeah, better yeah. get on their game. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good. So you want to keep keep at it, um, keep having a crack at pushing that record out. Um, do you have a number in mind that you want to get to? Uh, um, keep in mind, you've only got four more years in this age group before you age up to M9s. So so is the plan to... you got four years to push it out as far as you can.
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, having looked at it, I would think... I'd like to think that the world record is a soft world record.
1: Explain yourself.
0: Uh, it seems to me that, you know, something in the order of Mm -hmm. 115-ish would be a good thing to shoot for. And in that respect, even though, you know, the current world record is a world record, it's a soft one if 115 is possible. Yeah. And in my mind, um, I'm just intrigued by the thing of being the participant in an experiment, you know, where you're kind of the mad scientist who's figuring out how we're going to do it, and I'm the grunt who's doing the work to get the weight on the board. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a team thing. So if you're up for it, I'm up for it, because that would be fun. And it puts a marker out there because, hey, you know... um, I wish everyone has a good, healthy, long life. And if you do, I want that marker to be out there. Right. (laughs) To be a challenge to you guys who are coming behind. You know, it's sort of like with Yuri. He set a marker there of these uh, one-handed push-ups. Well, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. And and as far as sort of turning 80 in another four years, all I can say is watch out, you 80-year-olds. I'm coming for you. That's good.
1: (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to... uh Finish this podcast off then, unless there's anything else you want to touch on. No, indeed. Uh, great
0: pleasure. And thank you very much, Dan. Oh, well, and okay, and by the way, just a shout out to uh, uh, Jobert and the gym in Sausalito in California, which was my other uh, training uh, training camp too. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Well, congratulations again, world record, world champion. And uh, exciting. We can keep pushing on for bigger and better lifts as we go.
0: Strength Institute.
1: (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe. Helps the channel grow. We appreciate it. Drop a comment and uh, we will see you next time on the Strength Institute podcast. Thank you. Cheers.